Dog Days of Podcasting, Day 21, Monday, August 24th, 2020. Today's topic, the 1968 to 1970 flu pandemic. A historical note, on this day in 1349, 6,000 Jews died in Mainz, Germany. As covered in episodes 15 and 16, this was right in the middle of the bubonic plague that hit Europe. Beginning in 1348, Jewish communities in Barcelona and Brussels and elsewhere were among hundreds attacked and in some cases destroyed. Christians believed that Jews caused the plague, of course, possibly by poisoning the water and who knows what other reasons or methods. Matters weren't helped when Charles I, the Holy Roman Emperor, ruled that the property of any Jews killed in such writing was up for grabs. Nice guy. When Christian writers in Mainz, Germany, which had the largest Jewish population in Europe, attacked, the Jews put up resistance, killing some 200 of their attackers. When the inevitable counterattack of the enraged Christian mob took place on August 24th, exactly 671 years ago today, many Jews decided they would take their own lives rather than be murdered and set their own homes on fire. Altogether, some 6,000 Jews burned or were murdered to death, um, burned to death or were murdered that day. Also, as an aside, since we're still talking about the flu today, have you ever heard about Woodrow Wilson and the 1918 flu pandemic? What I'm about to say was stolen in part from the Radiolab podcast and, of course, like everything else, from other sources. But uh, this thing goes like this. In World War I, uh, World War I ended November 11th, 1918. Post-war peace talks began in early 1919. The 1918 and 1919 flu pandemic was raging at that time. I don't know a lot about history, but from the sounds of things, Woodrow Wilson was very progressive, except for the fact he was a horrible racist. I mean, an effing racist pig, even for his time, while simultaneously being all peace and love towards nations. Go figure. But his racism is not what this is about. You may also learn in a history class that the Treaty of Versailles that ended the war actually made life really hard for Germany in the 20s, left them feeling humiliated and resentful, and thus actually helped set the stage for the Nazis and Hitler's eventual rise to power. However, Wilson himself had suggested a different post-war approach towards Germany. In contrast to his personal racism, in early 1918, he had outlined his famous 14 points, in which he called for free trade, open open diplomacy, and a new balance of European power, along with an international body to prevent future wars. I guess it was okay to be nice to Germans. They were white people. He wanted to form a League of Nations whereby countries would talk out their problems rather than go to war. The 14 points also disavowed any malice towards Germany, which is why Berlin accepted them as the basis for negotiations. Compared to the exhausted British and French, the U.S. and Wilson himself, who was a worldwide hero of sorts, emerged as the key player in early 1919, the one party capable of forging a durable peace. But 
On April 3rd, 1919, Wilson fell ill with flu-like symptoms. He was never the same man after this. He tired easily and quickly lost focus and patience. He seemed, he seemed paranoid, worried about being spied upon by housemaids. He acted like a man with residual neurological problems from a bout of the 1918 flu, which I guess was a thing. Over the next crucial weeks, a weakened and confused Wilson lost his best chance to win the peace by agreeing in principle to draconian terms favored by France, who, having lost more lives in the war than any country, were extremely embittered and wanted to punish Germany severely. The final settlement punished Germany with a formal admission of guilt, enormous reparations, and the loss of about 10% of its territory. About all Wilson got was his League of Nations, and they didn't even allow Germany to be in it. The stunned Germans had little choice but to sign on June 28, 1919, and the result was a treaty that treated Germany harshly. Right-wingers in Germany raged at their nation's betrayal. Among them was, was Adolf Hitler, who blamed Jews and leftists for undermining the war effort and swore revenge on the Allies. In 1940, he insisted on humiliating France by dictating its surrender terms in the same train car where the 1918 armistice had been signed. One wonders if World War II would have even happened had Woodrow Woodrow Wilson not gotten the flu. Back in the U.S. that fall, Wilson suffered a major stroke. He died four years later. The League of Nations was part of the Treaty of Versailles. Wilson won the 1919 Nobel Peace Prize for being the architect of it. Yet, the U.S. never joined it due to opposition from isolationists who worried being in it would draw the U.S. into more conflicts. The League's main goal, avoiding major wars, failed. It ceased operations in 1946, replaced by the United Nations. Yet another side note related to this, the 1918 flu may have affected Gandhi in the exact opposite way. As you know, India was a British colony, but Gandhi wanted Britain to F off and go away, as did many Indians. Gandhi actually promoted the idea that the that Indians should fight for Britain in World War I. He felt they should be macho and, and, and warlike and help Britain. Sounds hard to believe. However, he then caught the flu, it seems it was the flu, and he nearly died. Uh, he was severely sick on his deathbed, writing letters about how he was going to die. But obviously he lived, and while fighting off the illness, he had a complete change of heart, deciding that passive resistance against Britain was better than actively fighting with them in the hopes that Britain would reward India with independence. Pretty interesting how that flu may have really changed history. Okay, let's get on to today's topic, the 1968 to 1970 flu pandemic. Sometimes referred to as the Hong Kong flu, the 1968 flu pandemic was caused by the H3N2 strain of the influenza A virus, a genetic offshoot of the H2N2 subtype. The new subtype arose in pigs co-infected with avian and human viruses and was soon transferred to humans. From the first reported case on July 13, 1968 in Hong Kong, it took only 17 days before outbreaks of the virus 
were reported in Singapore and Vietnam, and within three months it had spread to the Philippines, India, Australia, Europe, and the U.S. While the 1968 pandemic had a comparatively low mortality rate, 0.5%, it still resulted in the deaths of 1 to 4 million people, including 500,000 residents of Hong Kong, nearly 15% of its population. Despite the lethality, lethality of the 1957-58 flu in China, little improvement had been made there regarding the handling of such epidemics. In September 1968, the virus entered California and was carried by troops returning from Vietnam, but it did not become widespread in the U.S. until December of 68. It reached Japan, Africa, and South America by 1969. In Berlin, the excessive number of deaths led to corpses being stored in subway tunnels, and in West Germany, garbage collectors had to bury the dead because of a lack of undertakers. In total, East and West Germany registered 60,000 deaths. In some areas of France, half the workforce was bedridden. The British postal and train services were also severely disrupted. Maybe 34 to 100,000 died in the U.S., mostly over the age of 65. Unlike in 1918, when the first wave was smaller than the second, in the U.S., for this flu, the first wave was more severe than the second. A note to this, there have been some recent viral social media posts suggesting that the Woodstock Festival was held, quote, in the middle of the 1968 to 1970 flu pandemic, unquote. Thus, it's ridiculous we are shutting down concerts and gatherings because of COVID. I mean, if Woodstock had happened in the middle of that, obviously we can have gatherings and concerts and everything else today. Unfortunately, that's not a very good comparison. The 1968 to 1970 flu peaked in December of 68 and January of 69. By the time Woodstock happened in August of 69, most restrictions, particularly in New York, had been lifted for quite a few months. There was another wave of the flu, which picked up a few months after Woodstock. So it just so happens by chance there was about a six-month lull in which there were very few flu infections in the United States, and Woodstock happened during that lull. I found a chart that shows uh, that around March of 69 was the last month that there was a lot of people getting the flu, and then it really went down all summer long. And so they went ahead and had the concert in August of 69, and the flu didn't pick up again until, like, November. So that flu tended to pick up around Thanksgiving or Christmas break. So that's how that went. Woodstock did not happen in the middle of a a raging flu pandemic. As a final note, this virus, uh, H3N2 from that pandemic, remains in circulation today as a strain of the seasonal flu. Talk to you tomorrow.